Hello and welcome to Bite Size Project Management, the ultimate podcast for anyone seeking tips and advice on project management qualifications. I'm your host, Amy, from Training Bite Size, and today we're discussing how to pass your APM PMQ exam. Over the past 10 years, Training Bite Size has trained thousands of people in the APM PMQ, so we do consider ourselves to be pretty well experienced in this field. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. I'm delighted to be joined today by John. John is an absolute expert when it comes to project management with over 45 years experience. So John, welcome. Thank you very much. Can we start by explaining to the listeners the format of the APM PMQ exam? Yes, absolutely. Going to take a couple of minutes to get through this, but I want to make sure everybody understands it properly. Firstly, the exam duration is three hours. That includes all reading and writing time, but there's a small allowance after the three hours for administration. For some people with medical evidence of certain conditions, APM will, uh, if it's approved, allow a certain amount of additional time. This normally equates to 45 minutes, uh, but that has to be arranged in advance. You're offered 16 questions, and you choose which 10 of those you're going to answer. It doesn't matter which ones you pick in terms of marks, all questions carry equal marks. And if you're familiar with the syllabus, each of the 12 learning outcomes within the syllabus are going to be included. Where more than one question addresses the same learning outcome, uh, APM guarantee to address different assessment criteria. So you will not get two very similar questions in the exam and it will be spread over the whole syllabus. The vast majority of answers you give will be what APM call essay style. That doesn't really imply the formal essays, it just merely means handwritten. But there might be a very small amount of mathematics included in the paper. Just before we finish, uh, you might be aware that there's an option for currently registered PRINCE2 practitioners uh, to sit a two-hour version of the examination. We could have a very long discussion later, but we generally try to discourage that. We believe the chances of passing the shorter exam are reduced compared to the three-hour exam. But if you wanted more details, just get in contact with us. Brilliant. How easy is it to understand the exam questions? I would say with a slight bias in my point, or from my point of view, very easy. Questions are asked using very simple keywords. There are only four keywords currently, uh, and this helps you structure your answer in a way that could easily attract good marks. Each question is also introduced by stating which syllabus area is being addressed, and my personal opinion is questions in a PMQ paper are now easier to understand than ever before. If there's any risk of ambiguity, then the question will offer some advice to resolve that ambiguity. So how is the exam marked? As a general rule, making it very simple in very simple terms. For essay style answers, in very simple terms, you'd be awarded two marks when you add any real value to the answer. And adding value to your answer implies including a sentence or a bullet point, if that's what the question requires, uh, which shows relevant knowledge or understanding. Each complete answer would attract a maximum of 50 marks. If a mathematical answer is requested, a correct answer will be awarded five marks under all circumstances and shown workings which are correct but lead to an incorrect answer will be awarded two and a half marks. Uh, You'll know you've been asked to carry out a calculation if the question includes the keyword determine. The keyword determine is a request for a mathematical answer and there's a maximum of four determine elements within a single question which means the maximum number of marks for maths in a single question is 20 out of 50. Generally speaking, though, papers contain only one question of this sort, and there are a few papers around with no maths in whatsoever. So generally, there will not be a lot of mathematics in the examination. That's brilliant. There's some really good tips in there. So what are the examiners looking for in their answers? 
very simply they're looking for you to demonstrate knowledge about project management and understanding of the concepts of project management. Answers therefore have to demonstrate knowledge and then add on uh, more information to show deeper understanding. You might also be asked possibly to discuss the benefits and challenges of different aspects of project management, maybe compare different aspects of project programme and portfolio management, uh, and occasionally offer relevant examples to illustrate knowledge or, or understanding. Uh, however, be careful with examples, they've got to genuinely show knowledge or understanding. Do you have any hints or tips to help generate ideas during the examination? Yes, absolutely. The way I would generate ideas is to try to use knowledge in one area to help him explain the importance of another aspect of project management. So try to practice cross-relating topics. For example, how is the business case dependent on risk management? Um, unless the question has restricted you to talk from the perspective of one particular role in the team, feel free to move to the perspective of different roles. For example, um, view something within project management, maybe a process, um, from the viewpoint of the sponsor, then maybe shift position to the project manager and so on. Uh, also, if the question hasn't restricted you from doing so, feel free to move around the phases of the life cycle. Every aspect of project management has a slightly different emphasis as you go from phase to phase. But I think the most powerful way of generating ideas is put yourself in the position of one of the roles implied within the question or mentioned in the question and the ideas tend to flow quite freely. So what about detail then? Because you've said that the exam is three hours long, so it's clear that the examiners are looking for that detail. Is there anything people can do to help generate this? Yes. Uh, and it might be worth pointing out that one of the commonest reasons for people underperforming uh, is not to give enough detail in explanations and descriptions. Now, every training organisation will offer you ways of adding detail to your answers. We firmly believe, though, the best way to do this comes naturally, and this is to use Kipling's questions based on an ode written by Rudyard Kipling. Now, I'll leave you to find the ode in your own time, but basically, Kipling's questions say, make sure you say what it is you need to say. Then say why you've said that or why it's important. And then keep saying why you've said the previous point, really to the point at which you think you're boring the examiner. Then if you're still short of something to say, say about how things work, how things happen, um, how we go about whatever you're talking about. And then include maybe a comment about when it's done uh, or when it's important or when it's a problem. Obviously depends on the question. Uh, but when could mean in which phase or more commonly under which circumstances. But then if you're still short of something to say, um, say who's responsible, who's accountable, who'd be involved, who'd be interested. And that's using Kipling's questions. Works in day-to-day -day life as well. Uh, now I've met quite a few journalists on the PMQ course and they instantly recognise that technique uh, as a way they're trained to use or a method they're trained to use to make sure they always gather a full story when they're out in the field and then report a full story through the media. Very, very powerful technique. Brilliant. Sometimes people don't do as well as they'd like when it comes to the exam. So can you tell us what the common causes of underperformance are and how people can avoid these? Absolutely. All of the reasons for failing the exam or underperforming in the exam, in my view, are quite manageable. Now, there's no order on these. I'm just going to give you my opinions. Um, a very common reason for people certainly scoring lower than expected and maybe even not getting to the magical 55% is simply running out of time. Careful time management, discipline to make sure you move on when you're getting towards the end of a question to the next uh, are all ways of managing that. A very common reason for people underperforming, uh, and this seems to be very common, uh, is misinterpreting the question 
in other words, answering the question that hasn't been asked, uh, or misinterpreting the emphasis in the question. For example, the question asks you about the benefits of doing a process, whereas your answer then describes the process. For example, uh, that's missing the point of the question. Uh, ignoring the keywords occasionally causes people to uh, score lower marks than expected. But I would say the commonest reason at the moment, and things change from month to month, is not giving sufficient information in answers. Uh, in other words, insufficient depth of explanation, insufficient depth when describing something. And they are the top reasons. Can't rank them, but they're always the top four reasons. That's fantastic. You've got some great advice there. Thank you so much. I can imagine your training sessions are absolutely jam-packed with anecdotes and tips. So finally, is there anything you always make sure you tell students before they sit the exam? Absolutely. A phrase I occasionally use is, the difficulty of the PMQ exam is overestimated. The level to which you need to prepare, be prepared in order to sit it successfully is underestimated. So be fully prepared in terms of knowledge and also have spent some time thinking around the different topics and certainly have practiced writing some sample answers uh, and we will build that practice into any course you take with us either distance learning, e-learning or in the classroom or blended. But don't feel constrained by the terminology in APM's body of knowledge. The examiners will, will accept any terminology or phraseology as long as it's clear and unambiguous. Make sure you're very focused on the question that's being asked Make sure you fully understand the question in the first place before you try to answer it and then keep reviewing the question. Make sure you fully understand the depth of answer required by the keywords. Be absolutely fastidious with your time management and make sure everything you write genuinely adds value to what you've already written. But very difficult under exam conditions. Try to relax as much as you can but be willing to state the obvious. And the reason I say that is the examiners don't know you know something is obvious unless you write it down. Some very simple rules, all manageable. John, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time and all the advice that you've shared with us. You're welcome. So that's it for this episode of Bite Size Project Management. We hope you'll tune in again soon for another edition. Until then, you can find out more about the certifications and training packages we offer on our website, trainingbitesize.com. Thanks very much for listening. 